you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. We continue in Season 7 of Biblical Counseling Today, devoted to the very important subject of spiritual warfare in the life of the believer. We have talked about the difference between conviction and condemnation, as well as the temptation to see life as unlimited rather than limited. It's essential to recognize that Satan spends his time trying to confuse the Christian. Thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to clear the muddiness through solid biblical logic. One of the descriptions of the devil given to us in Scripture is that he disguises himself as an angel of light. We have already talked about how Satan is the great imitator, so it's no surprise that the prince of darkness tries to wrap himself in light. Satan knows that if he comes to Christians as something blatantly wicked, most of us would run the other way. So he has to come as something that looks good, has some sense of goodness and beauty to it. What that means, practically speaking, is that Satan tempts us by offering us something that is good that will produce some sort of good result. When Jesus was in the wilderness, desperately hungry from fasting, Satan gave him the opportunity to eat. Just turn these stones into bread, Jesus. Then you won't have to be hungry anymore. What's wrong with eating when you're hungry? So as one of my professors was fond of saying, remember that the good is often the enemy of the best. Jesus rebukes Satan by pointing to the fact that there's something better than physical food. As the bread of life, Jesus is the spiritual food we really need. The devil will tempt you by offering you things that are good. He comes with the voice of, there's nothing wrong with it. It isn't really that bad. But that's how he confuses Christians into settling for the lesser good over the greater good. We'll continue to talk about different ways the angel of light imitator comes at us in this life. Remember, he is very crafty. One such way is to offer us the good thing called safety. Who doesn't want to be safe? Who doesn't want their spouses and children and friends to be safe? We'll talk about the fact that the Lord also offers us safety, but in a much different way than Satan does. So in this podcast, we'll compare and contrast how Satan confuses us with his brand of safety while the Lord calls us to risk within his safety. If you're like me, safety can easily become an idol, something that is more important than the things God commands me to do. We need to dig down deep and develop some good biblical logic when it comes to the issue of safety versus risk. Randy is a 21-year-old senior in college. He will graduate with a degree in business this year, but he has no idea what he wants to do for a career. He has a lot of student debt, so he believes he needs a good-paying job. But he feels a pull to go to seminary and become a pastor. 
Randy's parents are discouraging going to seminary. Even though they are Christians, they don't like the idea of Randy going into more debt and not making much money if he actually becomes a pastor, or even worse, a missionary. Now, that's their words, not mine. Randy also wants to be married and start a family soon. And then there's Sally. She's in her mid-40s, is married, and has four children. She is quiet and keeps to herself much of the time. Sally's a stay-at-home mom and a wonderful homemaker. Her house is always clean and perfectly organized. Even though Sally seems to have it all, she's not a very happy person. She worries a lot about many things. When a crisis happens, she falls apart. She's not able to handle the stress. As she's gotten older, Sally is experiencing more unexplained health problems as well. So there are two brief case studies that will form the backdrop for our biblical counseling issue today, safety versus risk. Let's then begin with some definitions to clarify what we're talking about. Of course, we all know what it means to be safe or to have safety, but let's indulge ourselves and think about the usage of these terms. To be safe is to be free from harm. To play it safe is to be free of risk. To be in a state of safety is to be secure from the threat of danger, harm, or loss. And to be a safe person is to be a cautious person. Then there's the word risk. How do we understand what risk is? Well, risk is first the exposure to the chance of injury or loss. Taking a risk is taking a dangerous chance. The actual etymology of the word risk is literally to run into danger. The word risk is linked to the word daredevil, which literally means to dare the devil. So safety and risk are understood to be opposites in various ways. You are either safe or you are at risk. You are a person who plays it safe, or you're a person who is a risk taker. You take no chances, or you enjoy taking chances. Safety seems wise, while taking a risk seems foolish. Okay, with those definitions and distinctions in mind, it's time to look in detail to some principles that will help break down Satan's confusion and give us some clear biblical thinking. First, Satan tempts us into thinking true safety is possible in this world. When we are thinking biblically, we know that there's no such thing as 100% safety, since we live in a fallen world, a sinful and dangerous world. Do we really believe that locking all of our doors at night keeps us safe from burglars and other people who would do us harm? may keep us safer than if we didn't lock our doors, but it certainly doesn't keep us completely safe. Staying safe has become the watchword of this current pandemic of COVID-19. But is it possible to really stay safe from an invisible virus? No. But again, we can do things that make us safer and take less of a risk of contracting it. But where Satan begins confusing us is by offering complete safety in this life. He tells us that if we work hard enough, if we are diligent enough, we can completely avoid any current danger. 
If he is successful in convincing us of that lie, we then can become guilty and filled with shame whenever some tragedy breaches our safety barrier. So, for example, if your house is broken into, you can beat yourself up for not making it more secure. I should not have just had door locks, but a full security system. I should have had cameras all around. Or maybe I should have owned an attack dog, had bigger fences or a moat. Seriously, this is a struggle for many of us. Am I doing enough to be safe? Am I doing enough to keep my family safe, to keep my home and possessions safe? And we'll talk about that more later. But the starting point is recognizing that Satan is trying to get you to believe that complete safety is possible if we just work hard enough for it. Think about the ever-present COVID-19 pandemic again. I know you're sick of thinking about it. I believe it was used by Satan to convince us that we can have total safety if we just work hard enough. Yet the truth is that even those who were in almost complete quarantine mode actually came down with the virus. Sadly, so many people in nursing homes contracted it and died from it, even though safety protocols were at their highest. Yes, I know some of you are thinking that we could have done more. But how much more? What level of protection is even available to us? So again, people have become ashamed of even telling others that they contracted COVID-19. They don't want to be blamed for not wearing a mask or not staying at home enough or participating in a wedding or a funeral. Satan loves to create the illusion of safety in this world. He wants to get us working so hard, stressing so much on how to become even safer. What is his goal for pushing this view of safety on us? I think it's to keep us distracted from the more important things in life, to immobilize us, to keep us in a constant state of fear. If we're working hard on safety precautions, what aren't we doing with our time? Christians must embrace and proclaim the truth that there is no true, complete physical safety available in this life. In some ways, just getting out of bed in the morning puts us in constant risk mode. The question is, is that a bad thing? And then the second principle, Satan offers idols to protect us and keep us safe. In his role as chief imitator, he promises complete safety in this present life, as we said. But in order to actually fulfill this promise, he must move the Christian from the worship of the one true God to the service of idols. Satan was brilliantly successful with the Israelites. They adopted many false gods in their lives based on how they could keep them safe. For example, Baal was supposedly in control of the weather. So to be safe from drought or famine or extreme weather patterns, Baal had to be worshipped. The Israelites introduced even more and more foreign gods to keep them safe from other hostile nations, from sickness and disease, and from any and all tragedies. If you think about it, all throughout human history and all cultures of this world, false gods have been created who can supposedly bring safety and security. All you have to do is give them the right offering and you'll be safe. In our modern, more civilized world, we are not bowing down to wooden or metal idols or any graven images. But Satan still offers us better idols today. 
the idol of money, the ultimate security. If we have enough money, we'll be safe from harm. This is what Satan is using to confuse Randy. Sure, Randy needs to pay his debts and have a job that pays him money, especially if he wants to support a family of his own. Yet how much money does he need? And should he choose a job based on money or look to what God is calling him to do and then trust that God will provide the money? Understandably, Randy's parents want him to be safe by having a secure job and not piling up more debt in seminary. But could they be offering Satan's idol to Randy by mistake? Money certainly brings a certain amount of security. The rich can buy better medical help and treatment, thereby keeping them safe. More money means a safety net when things get hard. But even recent history shows that money can disappear quite quickly. There are millionaires who lose it all, whether it be health, relationships, or their actual money. Satan wants us to run after money and feel safe in its care when it is God who is the one standing behind our money as the true security. And then there's the idol of power. The strong are the ones who survive, right? If I'm physically strong, I'm safe from any attack, from sickness, or any person who's trying to hurt me. If I have political power or business power, I can feel protected from all harm. Now let's go back to Sally, Sally who feels powerless in her life. She feels vulnerable since her husband doesn't have a great job and they have to work hard to make ends meet. She tries to convince herself that she has power by controlling her little world, her home, her family. So her perfectionism and OCD qualities are her ways of feeling strong. No one likes to be weak or feel weak, so we bow to the idol of strength and power. We have time just to mention one more idol, the idol of intelligence. If I'm smart enough, I can figure out how to protect myself from any problem. The idol of intelligence looks to those in our society who can give us security by their strength of mind. When we are told to follow the science, we end up turning scientists into gods. So following the climate change rules and regulations will keep us safe from climate disaster. Again, following the science of mask wearing and social distancing and whatever is next will keep us from ever getting sick or ever dying. Politicians, academics, journalists, and others in the intellectual class tell us to follow them and they will keep us safe and secure. Whether we trust in our own intelligence or in the intellectual abilities of others, we find ourselves bowing down to satanic idols. So Satan keeps his promise of safety by giving us these idols and many others to substitute for the only one who can give us eternal security. But Satan doesn't just tempt us to be safe and secure in him and in his idols. The third principle is this. Satan also presses people to be foolish risk takers. He loves for people to become daredevils, to dare the devil and look danger right in the face. Now, unfortunately, one of my childhood idols was Evil Knievel. What a name, right? Some of you may be too young to know who he was since he long ago left this earth. Google him. 
He was the epitome of a daredevil as he used his motorcycle to jump over anything in sight. Evil Knievel boasted often about how he broke every bone in his body at one time or another. His body certainly paid the price for his risk-taking. But what was the point? Sure, he became famous. Sure, he probably made lots of money. But why? Now, this man is certainly an extreme version of a foolish risk-taker. But Satan still looks to get you and me to take risks that are just plain foolish. We can take foolish risks with our money, bringing in unnecessary insecurity. We can take foolish risks in relationships by being selfish, cheating on spouses, being involved in all sorts of dangerous behavior. We can take foolish risks in our hobbies just because we are bored, looking for some new adventure. And the list goes on. Do you see how Satan confuses us? He offers safety and security. He directs us to idols who can accomplish this. But then he turns it around and makes safety and security look rather boring and restricting. He tempts us to become riskier just for the fun of it. Or may I say, just for the H-E double toothpicks of it. He offers us life in foolish risk-taking. This is the testimony of many of the daredevils out there. They say things like, I feel more alive than ever before. No, I'm not suggesting that all risk-taking is satanic. Just that Satan's form is an imitation of true godly risk-taking. When taking risks comes from boredom or apathy or greed or the lack of contentment, it will not be wise or pleasing to God. Well, now let's turn it around and apply some good biblical logic in our fourth principle. God offers true safety in Jesus Christ. While Satan offers complete safety in this world, God offers safety only for Christians and ultimately only in eternity. In Colossians 3, 3 to 4, we read these words. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. The Christian is the only one who is secure in this life because of the death of Christ. As hard as it is to get our heads around it, our lives are hidden with Christ in God. That word hidden has a sense of security and safety. Whatever happens in this life, our true lives are hidden away, stored, secured, and safe. Therefore, there's nothing really to fear, no reason to worry about anything that is scary. And there's no reason to run after idols, not just because they cannot do what they promise, but because Christ can do what he promises. When we see our true safety is in Christ, we rest in him. We are unmoved in this life. We then must employ good biblical thinking and know that we will never have true safety in this life. This world is fallen, sinful, and dangerous. It will always be. Even our modern money, power, and intelligence can't change that. Sally needs to have her mind renewed and know where her safety and security comes from. In order to respond well to crises, she has to see her life as hidden in Christ. As a Christian, no crisis can take away our eternal security. 
But the way she is living, her temporal security is more important to her than the security and safety of her own soul. When we come to understand where our true safety lies, then we find both joy and peace in this life, even when this life is hard. The sad thing is that non-Christians seek safety in this life when they have no true safety available to them. They don't have heaven in their future. And then the fifth principle, God wants us to risk it all for his kingdom. When we know where our safety and security lies, we not only have joy and peace, we are freed up to become godly risk takers. All through scripture, we're told how risky it is to be a true Christian. We are promised persecution from the world. Jesus told us that if the world hated him, they will hate his followers also. The apostle Peter wrote extensively about the suffering that comes for being a Christian. The enemies of the world and the devil are out to destroy Christians. So Satan tempts us not to take the risk. It's unsafe to be a Christian. But if you want to be a Christian, Satan tells you to be quiet about it. Don't stand out and be different. That's too dangerous. It's not worth the risk, especially today. Randy thinks he's called to be a pastor, maybe even a missionary. He wants to go to seminary to learn and to test his gifts. But it does cost money and may keep him in debt for a while. Whatever he chooses, he must not choose against it on the basis of safety and security. If he risks it, it is a godly risk. Even if Randy chooses another career, as a Christian, he must do it in a way that risks everything for God's kingdom. He is to be a godly witness and to use his time and energy to advance the kingdom of God in this world. Sally's anxiety and depression could very well be partly because she is taking so few risks in this life. She has trained herself to play it safe, to be cautious, even in some overprotection of her children. So how can Sally be a better risk taker for the kingdom? She will need to get outside of herself in her church and in her community. She will need to grow in relationships and not just stay within herself. Sally needs to become an adventurer for Christ, even if she is not that adventurous. That would get some of the focus off herself and her home and her worries. Well, this is the same for all of us. I don't know about you, but I like to play it safe in many ways. But thankfully, God has a way of bringing opportunities to be risky for him into our lives. I need to say that again to make it clear. As a Christian, you don't have to become a daredevil or seek out risks in your life. God will bring them to you. He will give you plenty of chances to take a chance on him and his kingdom. The secret is how you respond to the risks that are right there before you. The risk that happens when you have a chance to talk to a non-believer about Jesus. When you're making choices about your money. When you're making choices about your calling and career when you're called upon to do ministry in your church, when you're helping your children to make decisions about their own futures. The truth is that we're all tempted to play it safe in those and other areas that we find very difficult. And it is always difficult in the kingdom of God. So Satan wants to make you a Christian who just sits on the pew for an hour and then plays it safe the rest of the week. 
Or he would love to keep you from going to church, joining a church, or having fellowship with other believers because it's just too risky. It is certainly too risky to do real ministry. It will cost you time, energy, money. It'll be a danger to your comfort. In some cases, even to your life here on earth. Look at all the missionaries and martyrs in church history. So we must resist Satan's temptation to earthly and temporal security by pouring out our lives for Christ. As the Apostle Paul wrote, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What have we to really lose when we have gained it all? Risk that is godly is risk for Jesus, not for our own glory, but for the Lord's. There's just one more principle we need to cover in this topic of safety versus risk. Simply stated, there is time to be safe and a time to risk. This is one of the great challenges of the Christian life. How safe should we be? How much should we risk? In James chapter 1, we're told to ask for wisdom when we lack it. As Satan tempts us to be foolish, we have the God of all wisdom ready and able to make us wise risk takers. Randy must count the cost and see what risks to take. Is now the time for seminary or should he work for a while and go later? The pandemic has been an ongoing case study of how much to be safe and how much to risk. Leaders of churches all over the world have had to make difficult decisions about closing and reopening. Christians have had to choose rather to risk sickness and go to in-person worship or be safer at home. But again, we're making these choices every day. Sadly, instead of trusting God in them, we can easily be given over to fear and worry. What if I take a risk and something bad happens? Or what if I'm being too fearful by playing it safe? Then there's that old saying, it's better to be safe than sorry. There's a grain of truth in there, but also much spiritual danger in there as well. The truth is you can also be sorry for being too safe. You can be sorry you didn't take the risk. So sadly, there's no easy formula or one-size-fits-all solution. This means we must pray and allow the Spirit to mold us and shape us. We must make decisions by faith and not in fear. There are plenty of times we must resist safety in order to risk it all. Then there are times when the risk is not worth it. Let me be abundantly clear. This is not some sort of risk assessment like insurance folks and underwriters do. You can't just calculate this intellectually and then make a decision. This is always an act of faith as well as an act of the spirit-led intellect. And I also think you need to go against your natural tendencies to a certain degree. When I was in college and had quite a fearful personality, I distinctly remember praying and telling the Lord that I was committed to do things that scared me to death if he brought those opportunities to me. I ended up on the mission field twice, living up to that commitment. I took a lot of speaking engagements over the years that I would have turned down in my own fearful flesh. The point is that if you are bent more towards fear, you need to take more risks. 
And if you're more excited by risks, you may need to slow down and be a little bit safer. Know that God is at work to sanctify you in the process. Even though Satan is working to confuse you, God will give you clarity and confidence in these decisions. After all, he will be the one to carry you through either way. If you take a risk for him, he will sustain you. If you play it safe, he may pull you out of your comfort zone anyway. Our motivation should be to answer the call of the kingdom and to live in a way that glorifies God and enjoys him forever. So to sum up before we go today, first, Satan is trying to convince you that complete safety in this life is available to you. In order to get this safety, he has many ready-made idols for you to worship. And then when you get bored of that safety, Satan also offers foolish risks you can take for your own pleasure and self-glorification. And then second, God has, on the other hand, given us eternal safety and security in Christ. It is only available to the believer. And because of that, we are free to risk it all for his kingdom. We don't have to play it safe anymore. But finally, we do have to make wise day-to-day decisions on rather to lean more towards safe choices or lean more towards risky decisions. In the end, we know we don't have to protect self because God has given us all the safety we need in this life and the next. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.